A massive 100 provision crime bill is moving forward in D.C. After a heated council meeting this week, the legislation is getting attention in Congress as the district comes off a record year for violent crime. WAMU's Kojo Namdi joins us now to discuss this and other top stories from this past week. Hi, Kojo. Good morning, Esther. The council held its first vote Tuesday on what opponents are calling the Crimnibus Bill. It's a massive package looking at criminal penalties for shoplifting, gun penalties, and a lot more. Why is this legislation getting so much attention, not just in the district, but also among members of Congress? It's getting so much attention because, well, it deserves that much attention. The current crime wave in D.C the biggest since 1997, has attracted the attention of Congress. After all, its members live here for most weekdays, and it's got the public running scared. You only have to check any of the gazillion community listservs or social media to confirm that. And a whole lot of people blame the D.C. Council. It's perceived as more liberal than Mayor Muriel Bowser and therefore softer on crime. Council members have been struggling to change that perception, and the result of that is this omnibus crime bill. Okay, crime-nibus. It will essentially stiffen penalties for a number of crimes, notable among them is retail theft. And outside the rampant armed carjackings, especially by teenagers, the public now perceives crime as literally running amok, hence this bill. But this is D.C., where the Black Lives Matter movement is essentially a part of the culture, one that identifies the major problem as police officers' use of excessive force against black people and excessive incarceration of African Americans. So, a crime bill that expands police powers, as this one does, by allowing police to enforce drugs free zones and calls for stiffer penalties for retail theft, which, while rampant, is generally nonviolent, is obviously going to get a lot of pushback from activists in D.C., and it has, as is evident in council hearings. But the fact that all but one council member has voted for this bill is an indication of which way the political winds are blowing. And the fact that it's D.C., where both Congress and the Democratic president have already vetoed one D.C. omnibus crime bill, is why this one had so many amendments and is getting so much attention. All right. And there will be a second vote on that bill. You and I will likely be talking about it again in the future. Moving now to Montgomery County, Monique Felder was named the interim Montgomery County superintendent on Tuesday. Kojo, what are the issues in Montgomery County Felder is stepping into? She's stepping into an agency, Montgomery County Public Schools, in which it appears that the Department of Compliance and Investigations was the place where complaints about compliance and investigations went to die. At least that appears to be what happened in the now highly publicized case of one Montgomery County middle school principal against whom there were at least 18 reports about sexual harassment, bullying, and retaliation, after which he was promoted to principal of a high school. This happened on the watch of the Montgomery County School Board and then Superintendent Monifa McKnight. Sometime after this was revealed, McKnight indicated that the board had asked her to resign, but that she was going to fight it since no appropriate reason was given. At that point, if you've lived in Washington long enough, you know that a stated resolve to fight a proposed resignation inevitably results in um, a resignation. So Superintendent McKnight resigned, and the board appointed Monique Felder as interim superintendent. But wait, there's more. There's always more. The school board has now apologized. Its president acknowledged that the board has not always listened to employees and investigated complaints. And before you ask, no, no board members have resigned. 
All right. Finally, possessing small amounts of marijuana has been legal in Virginia for almost three years now, but the framework to actually buy pot in stores still needs to be set up. What's the debate in Richmond over the marijuana marketplace? I'll keep this short and sweet. A quick hit, if you will, but not that kind of quick hit, (laughs) Esther. Instead, lots and lots of talk. In the Virginia Senate and the House, both of which are now controlled by Democrats, but there are different proposals in each body. And Governor Glenn Youngkin, by the way, claims he's not interested and won't sign a bill. We'll see what happens then. What each of these bills will do is determine who can grow it, process it, ship it, and sell it, and where they can sell it. In both proposals, there are a number of factors to provide equity. As for the role of currently existing medical marijuana dispensaries, anxious to enter the field of selling marijuana for recreational users, they'll get an early buy-in. Technically, sales can begin this year, but depending on how these bills go, you can't be sure. The dates to look out for, July 1st of this year and January 1st of next year. And so, good looking out. That is WAMU's Kojo Namdi. He joins us most Fridays for a look back at some of the week's top stories. Kojo, it's been a while since we've been together, but it's so good to see you. Let's not do that again. No.